last few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and we are glad that you're here and ready to talk about how we can help you and or help you get your clients back to work if you're in the career services industry. I know that there are a lot of people out there hurting right now and and a lot of people, well, almost 40 million in the U.S. alone, unemployed, and we're here to give you the tools and, and tips that you need to get back to work or to help your clients get back to work. Just an aside, there's a lot going on in the U.S. right now, and uh, we've done some shows before on bias and the importance of understanding our own bias, working on ourselves first, as with everything, that's where it starts. We've given you some resources for that in the past. There's been a lot more going around here recently. You know, it it just, it really does. It starts with us and figuring out what our own biases are. We all have them. Um, No matter what group we're a part of, we have biases against other groups or sometimes even biases against our own groups. And if we're in the careers field, this is really important for us to, to be aware of and to work on ourselves so that we're open to having these conversations with folks I was just kind of reviewing some of the information that Dr. Cheryl Minnick shared in our last resume open session, our our open webinars that we do, and she was sharing about bias in resume reviews. And, you know, if you're applying for jobs right now, it's something to be aware of, something to know that happens, which, of course, if you're in one of those groups, you, you already know that it happens. If we're counseling people, working with people, something that we need to be aware of. And we shared some specific actions that you can take in your resume to avoid being screened out because of implicit bias. But really, for a practitioner or even if you're in this situation and you're a a job seeker, to realize that the, the conversation with your coach needs to happen or thinking through it on your own, if you're working on your own resume, what are those items that you're including in your resume that might open you up to bias? And how do you want to deal with that? Because that's an individual question that that, that a, a career coach, a resume writer can't necessarily answer for you. We can share some strategies with you. We can, we can share how you can help overcome them. But at the end, it's going to be, you know, your decision. And those biases come in all different shapes and sizes and forms from age bias to ethnic bias to gender bias to unemployed bias, which of course we're hoping will be less right now because a lot of people are in that same boat and there may be more empathy, um, but but that probably won't last if history repeats itself like it did in 2009-2010. So being aware of these biases and that they exist, especially in the quick resume review that the, that the person who's hiring is doing, and that there are some ways that we can adjust our resume to not fall into that. 
And then people would say, oh, you know, what does it matter, Marie? Because then I'm going to get into the interview and that implicit bias is just going to raise its ugly head again. And in some ways, yes, that's very true. And in, in other ways, there is hope because we know implicit bias is harder when I meet someone face to face and I start to form a relationship with them. So hopefully through the course of an interview, that implicit bias would be less powerful than it is when we're not even thinking, right? Some people call it unconscious bias. We're not even thinking when we're reviewing resumes in six seconds as HR folks are. And that underlying unconscious bias is making a lot more decisions than they may realize. And it's less likely to come into as play as much in the interview. So doing these things in your resume to help you get an interview is worthwhile. It, it can help. And of course, you have to do what feels right for you. So I'm going to go through a few of those things that you can do in your resume. If you know, we're seeing more age bias right now with the unemployment numbers high and the job openings low, it opens the door for people to be more discriminatory because they have more applicants than they need. And it's important in some ways to, to not vilify or, or get overly angry with the people who are acting on these implicit biases. They can learn, they can work to, to get better, and a lot of HR groups are working on that. And on your side as the, the job seeker, as a coach, is figuring out what can you do to, to help yourself or help your client get through that door knowing that people aren't going to change overnight and and that's all that we can do is to get through the door, build those relationships and help them improve their culture as they move forward in, in the work that they do. So let's talk about some of the specifics that we can do to protect ourselves, if you will, limit the implicit bias that might come up in in the deciding factors when someone's looking at 20 resumes and they can only bring in 10 people. How can we help diminish the impact that implicit bias might have on their review of our, our resume? And, and then we can look a little bit about some of these other ways that we can control our own implicit bias. And that if we're in an HR or leadership function, we can start to do this within our teams and, and lead this way, do it by example, and bring these ideas and, and these specific actions into our organizations. Because as leaders, we can do something to influence of course, our, ourselves, and then to influence our organizations. So, Cheryl Minnick went through a lot of research on that this is happening in the hiring process. And this research is not just done by, you know, universities who might be trying to push a political agenda. It's done by companies. There's pretty wide-ranging data that shows biases happening in a lot of different ways. And if we think about it kind of biologically, it makes sense. We are biologically evolutionary kind of programmed to be wary of, of others that don't look like us. 
it's that fight flight reaction the biology isn't necessarily the problem it's our reaction to it it's how we process it it's that we act on it without thinking about where that initial impulse is coming from and of course not just to condone bad behavior that at all it's our job it's our duty to work through these biases and realize that they're they're driving our behavior and we must become aware of it to to do something different however when you're on the candidate side and you need a job here are some things that you can do to help with your resume so these work for a lot of different types of biases because they make a resume look more modern avoiding age bias and more focused on the items that an employer is looking for and avoiding some things that might throw up or, or kind of ping that implicit bias to step into someone's decision-making mind. So easy ones to omit your, e- omit your mailing address. You don't need your full mailing address on your resume anymore opens the door for a lot of bias, sometimes good, which is interesting, but I've had clients say, oh, moved into a more ritzy neighborhood. And as soon as I put my address on there, I got more interviews. Strange, but most of the time it works in the other direction for folks that the address is either that you're commuting and people don't want someone to commute or you're living in a whatever area they think they can discriminate against and and it pulls that up. We don't have to do that anymore. We just leave that address off. Use Gmail, not AOL or Yahoo. AOL, especially, you know, people are going to see that as outdated. Is that a fair judgment? I don't know, but we don't need to use an AOL email address. Gmail is usually considered to be the safest. Of course, Apple or your local, um, you know, Comcast, Xfinity service provider, um, address can be okay as well. Gmail is probably the safest. Strategically edit your community engagement activities. So be aware of your audience and what that conversation might look like and how passionate do you want to be about your community activities, your church? Do you want to speak to the specific church you're involved in, the specific political group you're involved in? If so, you can own that and know that it it may bring up biases that prevent you from getting an interview. If you're not wanting to necessarily, you know, put that forward in your job application, you can edit those things out. So community church instead of the specific name of the church or community organization instead of the specific name of the organization, if that's more relevant for you. Admitting that objective statement and references available upon request I see even some younger folks that end up with that on their resume because they're working with someone or going off of an older template. Those are going to aid you on paper. And then get down to the point as quickly as possible, showing that value, connecting the dots between your value and what the employer is looking for. The faster we do that, the cleaner language we do that, the less adjectives we use, the less likely we are to get discriminated against because there aren't kind of evoking descriptions in people's head that are aligned with their values attached to those words. 
if we stick to the facts, it's easier for them to just look at the facts and it's a faster read, it's more modern. It just helps you connect with that purpose of the, the reason that the purpose person is hiring you instead of allowing their mind to wander. Now, some of the other things that people do that might be more controversial or may not be as comfortable are to use the first initial uh, recruiter that was talking about this on LinkedIn was saying that he was working with some folks from India specifically and that they had changed their first names and or last names or to adjust an initial and we're getting more interviews because of that. We see the same thing with ethnic names, black names. There's research done on that, that although I hate this word, the whitening is the term that they use. The whitening of resumes helps people get more interviews. You'll have to decide if that's a good fit for you or have to coach a client to help them figure out what's the best fit for them if you're coaching and facing that reality, knowing the reality is important as we make those decisions, as we think about what's the best fit for us in our job search right now and thinking about the the companies that we want to work in and work for. Our goal is to acknowledge that bias to decide how we want to work, how do we want to work it? What do we want to do in our documents, in our approach to connect with the hiring managers, to give them an opportunity to see us for who we are and to not let that implicit bias get in the way of them giving us a call in the first place. And it's a double-edged sword. It kind of sounds like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because there isn't a right answer it's going to be different for each individual. What we hope to do by sharing this information is to help coaches who might be working with people and not have experienced that bias to understand that it does exist. It is out there. It's something our clients of color, of different ethnicities and and of age, older age especially, are dealing with and how can we help them process it and decide how they want to handle it. And for those of us in hiring positions to do everything we can to acknowledge our bias, to not run away from it or sweep it under the rug, deal with it, help other leaders in our organization acknowledge it and talk about it when we're going through the hiring process because it's it's another way that we're it can be in empowering and a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem to have those conversations to understand what we're doing when we're hiring and as a coach to help our client understand and work through and decide how they want to handle some of these issues. We're going to take a short break and when we come back, we'll talk about some other ways that we can improve and and challenge our mindset. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we've been talking for the last segment about how to work on our resume so that we don't get screened out because of implicit bias in that first screening or actually probably the second screening, right? The first screening is all, well, somewhat about keywords usually done by technology and then the the second screening, an individual actually looking at these documents, their implicit bias is going to come in and it's it's very interesting if we look at it at a theoretical level. Um, Of course, not interesting is not the right word when we look at it at a personal level, the research on this shows, for instance, women tend to use more words. So their resumes are, are wordier and they tend to not get as many interviews as men. Um, and of course, we talked about ethnic names, even ethnic organizations that people might have participated in. And depending on that hiring hiring manager and their bias, they they might screen you out because of that. And we're talking implicit unconscious bias or explicit bias. So they might do it on purpose or they might do it not consciously knowing that that's why they're doing it. And that each of us have to decide what works for us in, in our search and in our branding. How much of that can we or do we want to put forward about ourselves on paper. Now, of course, you have LinkedIn, you have people seeing pictures. And I would still uh, say that the benefit of having your picture on there, letting people see who you are, and hopefully they can see past that explicit, implicit, not probably explicit, but that implicit bias when they see you as a human, no matter what they see, 
and make a human connection with you. When we remove that from your LinkedIn profile picture, it's very likely that they will make up a bad story about you and and discriminate against you anyways. Don't know how to use technology, don't know, you know, too old, whatever. They don't want to put a picture up there. Um, HR people are trying to do something about this. There's a while ago, there was an app that allowed them to see LinkedIn profiles with everyone's picture as dogs instead of people to remind them of their human tendency to discriminate based on the superficial information we get from a photo. So I'd still encourage you to put your picture up there, um, even if you are facing bias, make those make those connections. You can take it out of the content in your resume because that is a much less human connection. Whereas when someone's looking at your profile, maybe before they see your resume, maybe after, the hope is that they're connecting with it in a much more human way than they do when they read your resume and they're skimming very quickly. Then, of course, we want to do everything that we can to improve our branding, being that connection of our value and the specific things that we have done that add value to an organization, connecting those very directly to the value that the organization is looking for. And clear, concise, short statements, those are good for a whole bunch of reasons because they make it easier for someone to connect to how you're gonna add value to the organization. And been looking at some resumes recently and seeing you know long strings of bullets and people really trying to sell themselves with a lot of adjectives those things get in the way of us connecting the dots for an employer between what are they looking for, what are what problems are they wanting to solve, and how do we solve those problems with the value that we bring. The other piece of this is how we build relationships and how we make connections and kind of that one-on-one piece of networking. So maybe like some of you have been reading a lot very recently about how to combat implicit bias, how to combat prejudice, how to overcome this in my own life and my own communications, um, as well as to help others, help my sons who are very young. Um, You know, how do we break this cycle, if you will, I don't even know that you can call it that anymore, but how do we change this? And as, you know, as it goes, of course, it starts with me. There are some systemic things that I can do to support this. And within my organization, if you are a leader, what are the things you can do within your organization to have this conversation and to to do things differently? Um, And we look at the recent events that have kind of blown this conversation up but the event started here in the u.s even back in january when we had pointed discrimination against people from china you know calling covid the the wuhan virus um when people are scared when they're in that fight flight response they go back to the biology and react from those emotions 
and I've been doing some work in a completely different space um, that has recently flowed over to this space and helped me think about doing this in a different way. And I think both of these conversations can be helpful for us as leaders, helpful for us as communicators, helpful for us in all of our relationships. So we're going to talk about them both. So the first work that I was doing kind of before this came up again, I've been doing work on my implicit bias for a while now because I come from small town, um, very little diversity. Even the university that I went to had very little diversity. And one of the things that I read early on about bias was that if we haven't been, had the opportunity to have relationships with people in different groups, we probably have bias against them because that's biology. Biology says these people are different. I don't know them. And so I am afraid of them and we have to combat that biology. So I knew that, but it, you know, kind of thought, okay, I'm working on that. And then started working on this idea of positive intelligence. And if you haven't heard of positive intelligence and saboteurs, I would encourage you to look at it. It's a book, um, Positive Intelligence, Shirzad Shamin. I'm sure I'm saying that right, but wrong, but the last name is C-H-A-M-I-N-E, Shirzad. And he has a book on positive intelligence. He does a lot of free webinars on positive intelligence that you can read. And he has a free assessment that you can take around your saboteurs. And you might remember, oh, maybe almost a year ago now, I did some sessions where I had some of my classmates come on who I was going through a coaching program with. And we talked some about saboteurs, uh, especially with Chris, one of my classmates who also kind of dove deep into this idea uh, and, and got a lot out of this. But for me, the idea of saboteurs is that we have parts of our brain, if you will, that have a story and somewhat similar in, in some ways to, to the work that Brene Brown does, that we tell our still we tell ourselves a story about everything that happens to us and even about most of the things that we do, we create a, a story around that. And a lot of those stories come from our early days. Things that we were told when we were little about ourselves and about other people. And when I hear conversations about, you know, racism, ageism, sexism, those same ideas always come to mind that there are stories in our head that we don't even know where they came from, but they're triggered automatically when we have a stimulus. And especially when that stimulus puts us in a fight flight mode. So these stories tell us how to react. And if we don't do conscious, repetitive, almost daily work to change those stories, to realize the impact those stories are having on our actions, we can't change how we react in that fight flight moment. We have to work on it when we're not in fight flight so that we can change the connections in our brain 
so that when we have that stimulus and we are in fight flight, we can come from a different place. That's our challenge, is to do the conscious work consistently so that when we have those pieces, those interactions happen, we can come from a different place. So we're going to go through some of that work, some of the tools that you can use to help yourself come from a different place and how we can change our thinking to be more successful, better leadership, and better in our relationships in a lot of different ways. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about how we can change our thinking and change our approach in the face of bias. So we talked about some of the strategies that people who are job seeking right now or, or coaches who are working with job seekers can use in their resume to get them through the door, get them the opportunity to meet face-to-face virtually, of course, right now, mostly, with an, an interviewer. And now talking a little bit more about dealing with bias in our in our own lives and how we can how we can deal with even sometimes the bias that we have against ourselves which is where the root of a lot of it starts right we're uncertain of ourselves or uncertain of a, of a situation perhaps and that fear leads to some of these reactions and some of this bias so there's some deep work to do on ourselves if we want to be 
if we don't want to be a person that is perpetuating the bias. So doing this work with um, Shirzad, the positive intelligence, and um, really been enjoying it. The whole idea behind this kind of lines up with where I come from when I'm thinking about bias, that there are stories that come into our head. And if we're not thinking about them, if we're not working on them on a consistent basis, then we just act. We just react, if you will. So Shirzad, he's got positive intelligence slash assessments. You can go through and learn about all the saboteurs. And these are the things that come up when we have an emotional response. Um, And I got to say that this is challenging for me because we all have our saboteurs. We all have the judge, which is the, the number one saboteur that's judging us constantly and therefore judging others and and kind of also then in this vicious circle assuming that other people are judging us which makes it even harder to get out of this cycle well the idea behind this is that a negative emotion is similar to you touching the hot stove it's not something that we you know it's it's bad you don't have we don't want to have negative emotions but if we stay in that negative emotion it's the same thing as us continuing to have our hand on the stove that the negative emotion is a signal to us to do something different however if we keep going into that negative emotion we're likely to not do anything different actually and we're likely to make the situation worse. And you're probably hearing this and thinking the same thing I think to myself almost daily of, you know, but uh, it's important to feel sad. It's important some of these things. Yes, and what do we do with that? And how do we get out of that pattern? Because the brain-based research shows that when we are stuck in that negative emotion, we're not creative, we're not connecting with others, we're actually pulling away and and reacting instead of co-creating something that's helpful with other people in our lives. And this just rings so true for me right now with what's going on in the world. Because when we're angry, when we're hurt, those emotions are so valid and we have to get past them to figure out what is that emotion telling me? What do I want to do with that? What am I gonna, how am I gonna do something different with that emotion? Um, and that's our challenge. And for me, I've been working on this with a program that he's running for three or four weeks and every day, I it's that challenge of fighting the piece of me that wants to kind of revel in that emotion and realizing that I can do something better with my energy if I work on improving my creative problem solver, which he calls the sage. So you've got these saboteurs, they come in and they tell you, um, you you know, one of mine is hyperachiever. So if I'm not achieving I'm a bad person. If you're not achieving, you're a bad person. If you're not helping me achieve my task, um, 
you know, I don't value you as much as I should. And that saboteur is all focused on kind of getting those strokes based on the story in my life that said, people will love you if you do well. People will love you if you achieve versus, right, people can just love you. When that saboteur is in charge, I'm reacting from a very negative place. I'm driven from a very negative place. It's very anxious, um, fearful of not earning people's love. And if I stay there, the solutions are hollow. They're not as well thought out. They're not collaborative because most of the time it's, you know, oh, I've got to get this done, so I'm going to do it. And it's not as good as it could be if I connected with others. Even there's a part of me having this conversation about bias that is struggling with, you know, am I worthy to have this conversation? Am I, is this, am I doing it right, right? And you've probably heard a lot of that hesitation if you've stuck with me for this long in this show, because it's very challenging to confront these pieces and to move to that place where we're creative and and co-creative. And a lot of this language, too, is coming from Susan Britton's work and, and her training program around brain coaching for brain science. So when I'm thinking about these saboteurs and I'm thinking about every day realizing when I act from some of the, from one of those saboteurs and the practice, the challenge is to get faster at recognizing that that's the negative emotion, saying, okay, I see you negative emotion. Now I'm going to go to the other sage part of my brain and say, what do we want to do about that? How can I see this as an opportunity? How can I see this as a gift? What can I do about this? What can my creative, co-creative, connected brain do with this? And this is humility, realizing that I don't have to have all the answers. It's not about doing the right thing, right? I tell my hyperachiever a lot that that a lot. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about trying to react from a different place and training my brain to do that so that hopefully more and more when I'm in those situations where I'm really challenged, think, you know, one-year-old throwing a fit, three-year-old not doing what you want him to do, when I'm in those situations where the negative emotion kicks in, if I keep practicing, I'm more likely to be able to come from my sage, to think about it differently, uh, to make it a game, to do something creative, to engage in a way that can be positive instead of negative. And if you've ever dealt with a three-year-old who won't do what you tell them to do, you might understand that a little bit, right? That it's that um, if you dig your heels in against it, it doesn't necessarily help. So I've been thinking about this a lot and how the same idea to me comes into play with my implicit bias 
that the more I'm aware of it, the more I kind of welcome it, that negative thought when I see someone from XYZ group, there's an automatic thought. It comes. And I say, oh, I see you bias. I'm not going to act from that. I'm not going to keep thinking that thought. I'm going to challenge that thought. And some of the thoughts that we see out in society today, some of them are very obvious, right? African-American male must be a criminal. That thought goes through a lot of people's brains. It's, oh, well, you're going to have that thought if you have not worked on not having that thought and you have that story somewhere in your background. And if you've watched any type of TV, that thought might be somewhere in your background. You're going to have that thought. How quickly can we shift away from having that thought to going, okay, that's my bias talking right there. And I'm not going to have that thought. I'm not going to act on that thought. I'm going to challenge that thought and come from a connected, curious, compassionate place. For some reason, a lot of C words in the sage part of our brain, connected, compassionate, curious, really looking at that person as an individual and trying to understand where they're coming from, which is kind of ironic for me to say on a radio show where I spend 45 minutes talking. Um, But that's the whole, that's the goal is to ask other people about their experience and to really listen so that my brain can start to learn a new story. And if I work on it every day and I consciously accept those thoughts at some level, understand that I'm going to have them because if I deny them, I'm more likely to keep perpetuating that bias or to keep acting the same way when my three-year-old throws a fit. I have to admit that that triggers me because then the trigger can go faster. And I can say, yep, I see you hyperachiever that wants my son to do exactly what I tell him to. And I'm going to let that go and move into the sage part of my brain that can accept curiosity, compassion, empathy, empathy, Boy, do we misunderstand empathy. And I have to catch myself on it constantly. Empathy is not feeling sorry for you. Empathy, and this is a Brene Brown video, empathy is crawling down in the hole with you and asking you to tell me about your experience. To not assume that your experience is the same as mine or that I understand it or that it's the same as somebody else who told me about theirs but to really ask you what your experience of this is and to listen. And that's hard for us to do because we want to help. We don't, we want to solve the problem. And that often isn't the connection. It's us wanting to sweep a rug over it and make you feel better instead of being willing to really listen. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, just going to go through some of the highlights of things that I've read recently that might help you, actions that you can take to combat your own bias or to 
support movements in our country that can lead to more equality. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about some practical ways that you can adjust your resume if you feel like you're facing bias in the hiring process. And then we've been talking a little bit about ways that we can root out unproductive thinking, if you will, including bias in our own lives to help our relationships, to help our success. So we were talking about positive intelligence and the, the book, you can get your saboteurs assessment, positiveintelligence.com slash assessments. And that that everyday conscious work that I've been very fortunate in the last few weeks to be doing with Shirzad and, and a group of coaches from around the world is similar to how I view the process of working on my implicit bias that conscious realization that I'm having the thought and then changing that thought 
to do something different, to come at it from a different part of my brain. And the power of recognizing that thought and then doing something different and not trying to hide from that thought or pretend it doesn't exist because it does offer a clue to me that if I get rid of it, I may not have that clue to help me adjust my thinking and adjust my behavior. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the other things that we can do if we want to be an ally in the workplace. And of course, this can go for different ways that we might want to be an ally and different groups that in our world might be facing discrimination and challenges. And we talked about it a little bit in the last segment, but just listening more and obviously understanding, calling out the irony of me saying this in a show where I'm talking for 45 minutes. However, (laughs) um, that's part of our, what can help us is to listen, to understand, to surround ourselves with people who think differently than us, who come from different backgrounds, and to really listen to them and connect and be in it for not just the superficial, to have those relationships with people from different from different locations around the globe so that we can understand what's going on globally, to have relationships with people of, of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, um, different ages, so that we can really understand and have conversations about their experience and to not worry about or to help keep things from getting political in those discussions, but just to try to understand an individual's experience. And this is one of the things that I hate about social media is that it's really hard to stay focused on the individual and to understand their experience because so many people are sharing memes that are created by someone else and and don't necessarily reflect their thoughts. And we tend to react from about to those from a a non-connection place. And then the discussion goes haywire from there, right? So to take the time and really make those connections and to spring use this these events as a springboard to really connect and try to understand with other people i see a lot of people on social media saying oh i'm disconnecting from everyone that doesn't think the same way that i do that will perpetuate these issues will perpetuate these problems you may want to disconnect from them on social media because seeing the insightful memes isn't helpful great However, don't let that stop you from connecting with those people. Go to coffee with them. Connect over Zoom with them. When we can, go to lunch with them. You don't have to, probably shouldn't talk politics. But remember that they're a person. Connect with them on an individual level. Because when we can have those relationships with people that are in groups that aren't like ours, is part of the it can be part of the process to help us not react from that prejudice place when 
we're confronted with that prejudice. So the other thing, and I've been working on this for myself, obviously your individual implicit bias that we're going to work on, but then how do we work at the systemic issues and start in your organization, perhaps, if you're a leader within your organization, become aware of, talk to people and really understand how people in your organization are experiencing systemic issues for a whole bunch of different reasons, right? Engineers versus technicians, age groups, ethnicities, maybe your different geographic locations feel that dis- dissonance. And the hardest part of those conversations is going to be the immediate part of your brain that says, oh, that's just because of X, Y, Z, or tries to diminish it because we don't want to feel the pain of realizing that reality. We don't want it to be the reality. And so we try to rationalize it with other things that's going to happen in your brain. Oh, there's not racism because my white uncle is having trouble getting a job too. That doesn't mean that there's not racism. We've got to figure out how to let both things exist at the same time and to not deny systemic issues because of maybe individual data points or because they're frankly too hard for us to admit. And, and that's our challenge as a leader, especially as a coach, to not deny someone's experience because we haven't experienced it and to let them lead in this part of the conversation. Yes, we, you know, we have some resume strategies that they could use, but they really need to be leading in that part of the conversation, telling us about their experience, telling us what they might want to do to change their resume. And then we can offer some suggestions, solutions. We're talking with those back and forth. And that that's our challenge, especially when we haven't experienced these issues, but even when we have. So I used to work a lot with people who were working with returning military. And most of them themselves had been returning military. And so they would assume that they knew that person's situation. They knew their job. They could write their resume for them without even talking to them because they knew what that job entailed. Diminishes that person's individual voice. It doesn't give them an opportunity to share what they felt passionate about, what they were enjoying. We, we can't assume that we know someone's experience, even when we may have had a similar experience ourselves. And that's our challenge, is to have the courage in Brene Brown language to go there with people to understand what they're experiencing and to listen and not let our own fears and defense mechanisms get in the way of listening and doing what we can to help. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant next week with other topics to help you find a job in this challenging market and get ahead in your career. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. 
Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.